Investing in your business can be a wonderful way to grow wealth and live the life you want. That's what I'm doing. But investing in someone else's business can be even better. In my opinion, this is the best way to generate true passive income streams. Through ETFs or exchange-traded funds, you can buy a basket of shares in different companies in one trade. BetaShares offers Australia's broadest range of ETFs, including the Global Cashflow Kings ETF, ticker symbol CFLO, which lets you invest in 200 companies with high levels of free cash flow, such as Visa and Costco, in one ETF. You can learn more about CFLO and the BetaShares fund range by visiting betashares.com.au. Read the PDS and TMD on the website and consider if the fund is right for you. BetaShares Capital Limited is the issuer. Welcome to RASC's Australian Business Podcast, a series for entrepreneurs who dare to leave the world in a better place and get paid while we do it. This podcast will make you a better business owner, investor, founder, or entrepreneur. If you want to start a business or already have one, please subscribe to the series or share it with your friends, business partner, or colleagues. And don't forget to consider taking our free business course, which includes heaps of templates for creating business plans, HR documents, employee files, all of my software recommendations, and more. The course is completely free and available via the link in your podcast player. Okay, let's get into the episode. This episode of the Australian Business Podcast features Molly Benjamin, the founder of Ladies Finance Club. This conversation is close to my own heart because Ladies Finance Club was set up to help tackle financial literacy, in particular for women. Molly's journey started in the UK before coming back to Australia In this conversation, we split it in two. We talk about the business and what she's built and how she did that. And then the second part of the conversation is what she's learned from the community. So if you're interested in entrepreneurialism and small business, this is a great conversation for that. And in the second half, you'll also get some bonus money tips and ideas to help guide you on your own journey that way. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Molly Benjamin, the founder of Ladies Finance Club. Hey, Molly, thanks for taking some time to to join me on the show. Thanks for having me, Owen. Yeah, uh, Kate's away today, so it's just you and me, and we're going to talk a bit about the the business that you built, the empire, and then we're going to talk about personal finance and some of the things that you've learned from your community and just in your your, your journey overall. Um, I figure a good place to start with, like people will know you. I know people, we have like shared community members and what have you from across the interwebs, but Maybe for those that don't know about you or Ladies Finance Club, if you can tell us uh, what it is, what the what the idea was, and if you go back to like when it first started, I'm particularly interested in like the origin story. Like, how did it come to be? Yeah, well, I'll I'll, I'll give you um I'll give you the the what it is in a tweet. I'll make it a little bit longer, but pretty much, <laughs> I was living in London. The origin story is I was living in London. I was working for um, in the financial services industry, so I was working for banks, and I was like, I'm really bad with money. A lot of my girlfriends are really bad with money. A lot of the women I'm working with in the bank are bad with money, so who's good at this? And so what I ended up doing was I started running events in my living room with my girlfriends and was like, and I was like, should we start a book club? I was like, nah, let's start a money club. Let's start an investment club because my dad always had one. And I thought, you know, mm. let's, well, why don't we have one? And so started running events in my living room with my girlfriends. They would come over and we would get someone who worked in finance to kind of break down a different area of finance for us and kind of like 
it grew and grew and then we outgrew my living room and then I ended up running events in London with like who's interested in this our first event sold out and it was like wow okay let's create a space where women can come together and we can talk about this topic of money this very important topic that you know this thing that we use every single day but we and we go out to work we spend all these hours earning it but then no time learning how to manage it and there was a particular conversation I had with a girl when I was working at one of the banks in the UK and she got her bonus and she goes oh I'm gonna go buy a handbag with this and I just mm. thought like surely there's something more she didn't have property she didn't have any investments and I was like yes treat yourself 100% but it was like a very expensive handbag and I just thought this is kind of wrong. And then, you know, I research more, the stats kind of, you know, show that women live longer, we earn less. In Australia, we're retiring into poverty. And I just thought like, this is so wrong. Like these women, we spend all our lives, you know, you know, working, but then sometimes raising families, sometimes mm. looking after elderly parents. And then they're kind of like given this poverty stricken retirement. And I was like, I want to do something about it. So that's kind of where, it, it it started from back in the day and mm. also a lot of my guy mates were buying property investing in shares and we were like we spent all our money partying or we spent all our money on traveling mm. um so yeah it was all about just kind of taking back that control and taking back that power but making it really fun and social because I loved reading the barefoot investor but I knew a lot of my girlfriends will never read that book if their life depended on it because they're just not ever going to read a finance book. Mm. Um, so yeah, that's, I guess that's the origin story. Yeah. I like it. Um, was finance part of your childhood? Like did your, it sounds like your dad was interested in it. Was yeah. it something that you talked about? Yeah. So I like, bless him. He tried to get us investing in the share market <laughs> when we were younger. Yeah. Didn't understand it at all. Like it was still like, okay, here's a newspaper pick a comp pick a company and let's follow it and I was kind of like what is this company thing um that wasn't probably until I got into like my first job that he did a little bit more of a like these are what and my mom as well my mom was constantly trying to get me to do a budget and I was like <laughs> crying literally I cried once when she wanted me to do a budget I was like I can't I'm so I was so like um <laughs> embarrassed that all my money had gone on going out and clothes and, you know, as I always say, like my investments are made up of hashtag good times and great clothes. It wasn't like there was like no assets in there um, <laughs> at all. Um, so, yeah, like they definitely dad tried to plant. They did try to plant that seed early. But I find and I find this with a lot of our members as well until, you know, they go, I want to learn this for myself. You know, it's like you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. And I was not drinking. <laughs> so what, so what made you then drink? So what, like, what, were you just like in a crisis or like what, <laughs> what, what prompted you to do it? A couple, couple of things. One of the things was I wanted to move to the UK and I was like, wow, I'm going to be in the UK by myself. I've got to get my money shit together because if something happens, I've got no backup. I can't call my sister and be like, can you give me a hundred bucks? I can't call my parents and be like, Hey, can you guys help me out? Um, which I never did that, but I knew there was always a bit of a safety net there if I needed to, mm. but I was like, right, I'm going to be all by myself. I need to get responsible. Um, and so then once I had a goal and then I kind of stuck to that goal, I started putting money away and saving. But then when I got to the UK, I started the bad habits straight up again, living paycheck to paycheck, no emergency savings. And, um, I remember like having to borrow like 30 pounds off a girlfriend for, um, groceries. And I was like, 
earning pretty good money. And I was like, what is going on, Molly? Like, this is crazy. Um, so I ended up getting a new job, getting a pay rise and really building that emergency fund. And that was the first step kind of for me to like kind of start from scratch, but then really build from that. Um, How old yeah. were you then? I was in my early 20s. Right. And so you were going over to the UK just to, you know, do the European thing. Yeah. yeah. I had a few years under my belt of like working the corporate world. And I was like, I've always loved London. Um, ever since I was a kid, I saw the movie Hook once and I don't know why, but I was like, oh, I want to go to London. I love London. And my, I was really fortunate. My parents took us out of school for a year and we traveled the world when I was growing up oh, and wow. I loved London. And I was like, get me back to London. So when the opportunity kind of like presented itself, I was like, and I mean, when it said opportunity presented itself, I was like, I'm making the opportunity like in the next three months. Um, yeah, it was just a thing. And I did lots of travel. I had great, I have great friends over there. And it was just so much fun. That's awesome. Well done. Um, a lot of people don't make time for it or they just think it'll happen eventually. Um, I'm one of those people. So, <laughs> so, so you said before that with the business, um, you you did a few with friends and people would come in and talk and yeah. and whatever. And then there was the first event which was sold out. Mm. Is that when you thought, because your background's events too, right? Yeah. So I've always been events in financial services okay. and fintech. Yeah. So I worked for like the ASIC version in the UK and their fintech team. I worked for Barclays and a couple of other places. And in Australia, I originally started out at BOQ. Right. And you thought when you did that first event, like, hang on, I can do this. Is this what you thought? Like, is that what was going through your head? Yeah. Well, I was surprised. What the, I think the big thing that got me was um, there was 80 women in the room and the room could only hold 80 and more than 50% of them worked in financial services, which hmm. really surprised me. I just wasn't expecting that. You think that a, they would know, right? Yeah, <laughs> That's the whole but thing. then again, I worked in financial services, so I didn't know. So, you know, we don't necessarily work in investments or we don't work in, you know. Savings. Budgeting. Yeah, budgeting. yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah they're in compliance, they're in risk, they're in, um, you know, marketing. Um, so I think that was a moment where I was like, I think there's something in this. And then the feedback was so good and people were like, when's the next one? Or, oh my God, now I understand this concept. And what we'd do is bring in like really great speakers or I would work with a speaker who would break down the content. Because sometimes they'll present content and I'm like, no, nah, it's still too high level. We need to break it down again. Because they jump straight into the, you know, um, the S&P is at 1.5%. And we're like, that means nothing to someone who doesn't know this industry. So it was really about kind of breaking it down, making fun analogies and just kind of, yeah, taking it back to real basics because we didn't learn it at school. You know, I missed out on the Money 101 lesson or I wasn't listening, but I'm pretty sure I was never taught it. Mm. Um, as I say, we're learning about parallelograms, which did not come and help this parallelogram season when I was trying to do my tax. <laughs> I was like, what the hell? Never used yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, I, I can hear you. Uh, I know what you're saying exactly. Okay. So is that like, so I'm just, because I obviously have a fascination for business and how things mm. start. Yeah. So well, then you were like, okay, let's see if we can do this again and we can turn it into a full business. Is that what you were thinking? Like, Oh yeah, no, I wish I had more of a game plan with that. I was just right. like, that worked, let's do another one. And like the business model didn't come till kind of like after COVID. Um, I was just kind of putting on events, getting them sponsored and was like, oh yeah, I still had my corporate job. Um, right. And it wasn't till I moved back to Australia 
um, that I was like, okay, working with business coaches, working with a mentor um, and going, okay, how do we make, how do we actually make money for this? I was, I've always loved business as well and entrepreneurship. And I tried a dress sharing company called What the Frock, which I thought was genius. Um, did not <laughs> Sounds <take> good. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but I also found out I wasn't passionate about to, you know, you got to be so passionate about your business to get up and do it every single day. And I was like, women's financial literacy, like it really floated my boat. I was like, wow. And people come to our events now and they'll be like, that changed my life. How did I not know about any of that? And I'm like, well, we don't talk about it. We don't make time to talk about it. Um, yeah. So yeah, I found that I was very passionate about this topic. Mm. Um, yeah. yeah I, I like it. I like it. So um, you've come back to Australia and you've started it. Mm. Um, what changed with the the kind of the business? You said you're like sponsors before like, and yeah. maybe that's still a focus, but yeah. What changed between the UK and here? Like, how did you take it more seriously? What did the business yeah. coach tell you? All that stuff. Yeah. Well, COVID happened. That was yeah, a big most, one. Yeah, um, so um, I don't know if you know, but my sister was um, diagnosed with a blood cancer about oh. just before I moved home. And um, she's in remission now. She's doing really well. Okay. She's got a Great. best-selling book in Australia about it. Oh, wonderful. Um, yeah. Um, but I really wanted to be back home and be with her. And we currently live together in Bondi. She's my best friend. She's the best. She's amazing. And um, <laughs> nice. so I was like, okay, well, I want to move home. And why don't I just set up a business from scratch in Australia? That, that sounds like it could be doable. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's pretty stressful. Um, <laughs> so I did that. And so I started running a couple of events and I was really um, lucky that by the time I moved back to Australia, I'd gotten up a really big kind of buffer, really good safety net. I was earning very good money in the UK. Um, so then it meant I could just really try and do it for like six months, see how it went. Um, but, you know, I kind of was, I was new to business. I didn't quite know what I was doing in some elements really passionate about it but you know at the end of the day with business you're wearing like 50 different hats and mm. you're the you're the accountant and the marketer and the sponsorship rep and the everything yeah. um and then it wasn't until probably like during COVID where I was like okay can't do events let's set up an online membership an online community um that people can you know pay a monthly membership to and they can get access to a monthly masterclass with amazing expert that they would never get access to um, where they can get an insurance review to make sure, you know, their insurances are correct um, where they can, you know, get a foundation course and they can get a whole bunch of other things like hours with the experts and money coaching, um, but making it scalable. So then, you know, we didn't have to do it at a really high price. It was kind of like a lot of like, it would be accessible to more women, um, and that's kind of like where we're still at today. So we still do um, a lot of the other stuff, but yeah, we have this membership that we're, we're growing at the moment. Mm, cool. I did, obviously I've checked out the website. Yeah. Um, and done all very, that very, stuff. very pink. <laughs> yeah, no, it's good. Um, so if they get a membership, like if someone's listening to this and they want to be part of Ladies Finest Club, they get a membership. It's like two tiers. Is it yeah. correct? Yeah. That's, that's right. Owen. You yes. have been on I'm the just website. doing all, yeah, I'm just doing this all off the top of my head, I swear. Um, um, so yeah two memberships and the one, the second one is the one that's like all inclusive. Um, and does that get them like the ability to come in and like check in or like, is there some sort of like online thing that they get? 
Yeah. So with, so with the pink one, that's kind of like for the people who love to do stuff for themselves. So we kind of, kind of call it the do it yourself. You get a course, you get the monthly masterclass. The Mm -hmm. diamond is more like you get those accountability check-ins where like once a month we jump on a call, we hear about what are your goals, you know? And it's really cool because people will come along to those and be like, I want to buy a house. I've never bought a house. I don't even know what to do. And it's like, cool. Okay. Well, what do you think the first step is? And like, oh, I don't know. Like maybe you see a mortgage broker. Great. Okay. When are you going to do that by? So it's giving them real kind of like, okay, deadlines and dates. And then they come back and then they're like, I did it. I did the thing, you know, Mm. like, and they always think like, you told me. And I'm like, no, you told, you told yourself. Um, So it was, it's really cool to see then people go from like never owning a property to owning a property, never investing to investing. Like one lady now calls like ETFs, her best friend. And like two months earlier, she was literally like, I have no idea about investing. So um, yeah, the transformations are are really cool. Yeah. Cool. Did you, um, here's just something that I just thought off the top of my head i've yeah. been seeing um a business coach recently and this is something i've never done before yeah how did that change what you do like did that was that like a big moment now that you reflect on it or yeah so i um i'm in a guy called dale beaumont's um business group and he has, runs a group called business blueprint and it's about like three four hundred small businesses in australia well not small to medium-sized businesses but the big thing i guess my learning with that was systems um and you know systems and processes and things like if you have to do it once record it give it to your assistant put it in a put it in a systems and process um kind of um format um so it was little things like that which just helped me fast track like you know use virtual assistants use um yeah, oh, there were so many, there's so many learning from that. Plus, I just love hearing what's happening in other people's businesses, what's happening in the industry. And, mm. and that's where I guess like we catch up once every four months in like in live in-person conferences. And there'll be like latest things happening in marketing and social media, latest things happening in finance, best tech tools out there. So it's, um yeah, I, I love it. Yeah, that's my, awesome. I, I call it my favorite cult. <laughs> I, uh, I, I think it's great. Like it's, it helps so many people in so many mm. different ways. And just even to be a part of that community is really cool. Yeah. Um, so I, I've got maybe a couple more questions before we get onto like personal finance yeah. and everything like that. Um, when you, like, as you go about your day now, as someone who runs your own business and um, it's all wonderful, like seeing all those transformations, but is there anything that you think of or you do say like daily weekly monthly where you like check in with the business and say how's it going like is there something that you do like i look at say for example student numbers on the rest network or membership sales or something like that yeah yeah so for me it's memberships how many memberships do we have um that's one element of it and then also i check our finances very often as well um just to you know see how we're going financially it's definitely something though I, I'm always like, I can improve on this. I can definitely improve on these on these kind of check-ins with the business. Um, but I have a really good team and a really great accountant. Um, and that's something I definitely do like a few times a year. I sit down with my accountant and just like, let's go through everything. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it would be probably membership, um, membership numbers and then, yeah, sponsorship and partnership. How many people are in your team? Um, we've got... One full time in Australia, amazing intern, and then two over two overseas, and then another two who are kind of freelance come in and out when needed. So we're cool. a small team. 
Yeah, yeah, you're like yeah. you're like our team. It's um, yeah. I think you can achieve a lot if you use those systems and tools. I think you can do a lot these days with kind of just the right people in the right places, which is super. It's it's super empowering because you don't have the stress of running a massive team or whatever. Um, I, I thought you. I thought maybe like so you're you're currently halfway on the road now. You've got. Yeah. If, I'm, if I'm not mistaken, you've got 13 events. Is yeah, it? we got 30, we were doing 13 events all over Australia. So we started in Townsville, mm. we did the East Coast, and then, yeah, we're coming up to Sydney, Canberra next week, and then Melbourne, Tasmania, over to Adelaide and up to Perth. Yeah, cool. So people can find tickets. Is there tickets still available? Yes, there, there are. Um, we're sold out in Perth, Melbourne, and Sydney, but there's still tickets available for Adelaide, Launceston, and Hobart. Cool. There'll be a link in the show notes if you are interested in attending one of Molly's events. Molly, which one's the biggest event? Which is it? Melbourne, Sydney? Like, are these one of the, yeah, the two Sydney, big ones? Yeah, Sydney. Brisbane was pretty big. Sydney is going to be big, um, and Melbourne. Yeah, we've got um, we, we're limited in space just because of the venue, but we've got about 140 signed up for our Sydney one, which will be great. But again, a, a good learning in getting a bigger venue because we've got a lot on the wait list. So. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> that's so, so good that you can get so many people together to talk about finance and investing. Um, yeah, it is. And it's a great energy when you've got all these women in the room yeah. who are talking about a topic they're not generally allowed to talk about or it seems quite taboo. Like, we've got a lot to say about it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, for sure. And I think I was chatting with Kate uh, mm. earlier on about this and saying how how valuable it is, but also how different uh, it is between men and women and the yeah. things that we talk about when it comes to money. Oh, big time. What are the, and this is like a good segue then naturally into the, the, the different part of the conversation, which is what are some of the reasons, like common reasons that women would come to you or come to an event? Like what are they kind of, like what's their symptom or what's their issue when they, they arrive? Yeah, so I think a couple of things. Um, so for many of them, they just, uh, you know, sometimes finance can be quite an exclusive industry. It's very, you know, um, they call it what male, pale, stale, and a little bit blue. And mm -hmm. I think we're used to being quite ignored by the finance industry, especially like, oh my God, we did some polling the other day. And it was like when couples go into like, get their car done, go into a bank, get their mortgage done, and they get literally ignored. They don't even have eye contact made with them. Um, so mm. I think when we can create a space where it's like, this is this is your space, this is for you, no dumb question, you know, but we also need to, um, you know, take control of our money. We can't rely, I would say, can't rely on, you know, marrying a prince, winning the lotto, a rich uncle, because there's not many available princes left. <laughs> um, you know, and, and I think for many, like, they might have tried to do it by themselves or they just feel overwhelmed. They're, they don't have that confidence and they don't want to do it alone. That's the big thing about it as well. Um, but, yeah, and we're seeing, you know, a lot of women who might have been divorced or they're separated now. It's the first time they've got the responsibility of the money. Um, and for others, they're just kind of like, I want to learn investing, but, you know, I, I don't know where to start. That's, mm -hmm. that's a big one. Don't know where to start. I'm really scared. I'm going to lose all my money. A lot of people think investing as you would, be aware is investing just into one company and if they don't have a lot of time they're like oh, that's scary what if I lose all my money um and so we kind of bust those myths and then just break it break it down and put in a chocolate analogy where we can <laughs> why do you think why do you think the club in particular helps people like what is it like why wouldn't they just go somewhere else you know like what is it about that environment 
Yeah, I think, well, people get to know each other. It's creating community. Um, also, it's that accountability of it's in their diary every month. They know, okay, um, we always say, you know, look after your money now, money will look after you later. So they're on a learning journey. Mm. So, you know, they know that, okay, each you know, in the first Tuesday of every month, I've got my accountability session. Okay, um, we know once a month I have a masterclass and I'm going to learn something new about finance. And like some of the stuff they learn, if they put that into practice, it's going to change their life. Like especially the stuff around super and investing. Like um, I had a 25-year-old come up to me at one of my events and was like, thank you. I just had no idea. I'm going to start salary sacrificing. Like she was like, I just literally, no one's ever explained this to me. Um, so yeah, I think it's the community. We also have like a, you know, a really nice Facebook group going as well um, where people just literally ask whatever questions they want and people jump in. There's a lot of like female mortgage brokers, but also I think there's just there hasn't been a space, a big space. There's a couple of ladies doing it, but I think where it's like independent and I'm not an advisor, I bring in the experts. Um, yeah, so it's it's really nice. And all the ladies are so lovely. I love the community. That's wonderful. Yeah, it's uh, it's truly awesome, like what you're doing. So uh, like kudos to you. Um, when I imagine that a lot of women come to you and they might have credit card debt, they might've been kind of on that, you know, that thing where they're like, I want to buy the latest pair of whatever. And mm. they've got credit card debt. They might have like after pay or buy now, pay later, yeah. personal loans, you name it. Yeah. When people come to the community and they, they talk to you about debt in particular, what mm. are some of the strategies that you've seen or what's one strategy that's been successful for not everyone, but for yeah. a lot of people? Well, the first, I think a couple of things are I, like there's definitely like we love the snowball method where you kind of get familiar with all your debt. You know, you do the smallest, put the smallest debt down first to the highest debt, cover all your minimum payments, but just really focus on getting that small one down, which you would be all over. But I think as well, just I'm a big advocate of debt counselors and we work with quite a few and just saying like, hey, if you guys are really stuck, like we can support you. But like, first of all, go see a debt counselor, see what you can either what they can negotiate on your behalf. They actually have a lot of power. Um, mm. So especially if someone's been in debt because of a broken relationship or, you know, credit cards, buy now, late, pay later, they're a little bit more hard because they're not regulated. Um, and God, some of the debt counselors I speak to, they have like people with like up to 10 buy now, pay later, which is super sad. And they put wow. their credit card, they use their credit card to buy the buy now, pay later, which is dangerous. Um, and you sometimes forget, you know, that that happens out there in the world so yeah very much the snowball method um and support them during that but um yeah I would say we probably get more women coming to us who are wanting to get started investing than more on the debt side um but yeah we love those um debt counselors as well yeah cool I like the snowball method because it creates like short feedback loops it's like one's paid down and makes you feel good even if it's not the biggest or scariest yeah. one it's like it empowers you every step of the way which is super powerful yeah you're on the road to you know you're getting there and you know you get that hit of dop dopamine like oh i'm doing it I'm yeah that's it. Debt. Let's do yeah. this. and that's like a, another thing which you kind of talked about before which was investing is that a lot of people struggle with the first investment yeah and i i find i don't know if this is a fair characterization and it's obviously a generalization but i find with women they're more uh, discerning when it comes to investing the first time and they're more like you know what's prudent what's this 
and this is again a generalization but a lot of men are like yeah let's buy the latest lithium stock or <laughs> yeah. something like let's just get yeah. in there and see what happens um yeah we so like how, to do our research yeah that's it so how do you i guess what what stops women um in particular getting invested sooner do you think yeah well i think you've like um nailed it where you know men would just be like okay let's do it lithium whereas and and there's a lot more conversation i think that happens with guys um around money and finance True. Yeah. um and you know if you go back to the origins like women weren't allowed to open like bank accounts till not that long ago women weren't allowed to have property in their own name so these are conversations that men have been having with men for generations women haven't been having these with their mothers for that True. long yeah. um so i think women like safety of cash because if shit hits the fan and they need to get out of a situation they know it's there they love seeing the cash in their account and that's kind of common in the uk and australia because we first set up in in the UK and I'm hearing the same things. Um, so I love cash, but we always say, you know, if you've got your emergency fund, that's when you can think of, um, mm. you know, starting to invest. Um, yeah. And they also think, I think you need huge amounts of money to get started investing. They don't understand that. Oh, you can literally get started with $50, $500. Yeah. You don't need $10,000. Um, and, you know, you can dip your toes in the water. The best way to swim is to get wet. Um, so I think as well, we, can sometimes get analysis paralysis where we're like I'm still researching I hear this a lot I'm researching I'm researching I'm like okay sometimes you also just need to you know that's why I think micro investing apps are really cool because they do allow you to just kind of get your confidence up um, and that's where we see a lot of our ladies start they start on those micro investing platforms and then they're ready to um, kind of jump in um, mm. further once they've got that confidence up and they understand what funds are and ETFs and things like that yeah I find that's um like a lot, of, a lot of people criticize micro investing, but I think for the most part, on the whole, it's super beneficial to society to get people involved in the conversation as soon as possible and get them involved in investing, even if it's ten bucks, because it's very forgiving too. Like you, you want to start soon, and everyone makes mistakes, so make them small and make them soon, yeah, because then you can get over it, right? Yeah, exactly. And as we like, I have like my Oprah Winfrey moment when we do our events as well. Like who invests and like maybe a quarter of the room will put their hand up. I'm like, you have superannuation. They all put their hands up. I'm like, you're an investor. You're an investor. You're all investors. And they're like, oh, does the compounding thing happen for our super too? I'm like, you bet it does. Um, so that's always an exciting moment. You do, do, uh, you'd need to give them a car though if you want to do the full Oprah Winfrey. <laughs> maybe maybe in a few years. Time. Maybe in a few years. Once Ladies Finance Club goes yeah, go, truly once global. Once we go global. <laughs> yeah. You all no. get cars. <laughs> Electric cars. <laughs> Um, one of the things I heard you say in a previous podcast was that um, having a, having goals is really important, mm, yeah. like having um, a reason for doing things. And again, yeah. I don't mean to pick on the dudes, but I was definitely in this ca this category where I would jump straight to investing and I'd forget like the the purpose or the intention behind yeah. long term. Like I knew, yeah, I'm gonna make gonna put money aside, make money in the future, blah blah blah. But I didn't actually have a goal, so. Mm. Why, why do you think that that's important? Because I think that the club plays a big role in checking yeah. in and keeping people accountable. Yeah, I think half the time we're just a goal club, like honestly, um, because that sets that sets you up for kind of what you want to do in the future. Um, yeah, big big one on, on goal was like I find a lot of women will come and they'll be like, oh, my goal is to save more money. And it's not until I go, okay, how much, what for, by when, can I actually come up mm. with a plan? Um, if they don't have that, they just, I notice they don't make that progress. I see the other ladies making, um, you know, as soon as someone decides 
and their mindset shifts and they go, I want to buy a house. Their ducks are all over in a row. Like the ducks become in a line very quickly. Once they've got that goal, they're motivated. They've got a date. They've seen the mortgage broker. Um, yeah. So we're big, um, big fans of like getting really clear on what it is with your goal. Plus, then it shows you as well, like, where can you say no in other parts of your life? You know, it's, it's sometimes it can be really hard being a girl because there's just so many nice things out there to buy and eat and shop and travel. So when you've got that goal, it's a lot easier to be like, oh, I can't come away on that weekend or like, let's go for a coffee, not a walk or, um, you know, yeah, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I think guys end up like buying motorbikes jet skis and boats and that sort of stuff yeah. um, i remember i went on a date with this guy and he had like literally like 20 watches and i was like mate how many watches do you need you don't own profit like he'd spent like <laughs> almost like 100k on watches and i was like and they they weren't like the ones which go up in value i was just shocked <laughs> um each their own i guess uh, one of the things <laughs> that i that i wanted to ask you is this is probably relates to this this point right mm-hmm. is should people feel guilty spending money well, that's, I guess, again, comes back to the goals. If you've got your goals there and, and you've budgeted it in, um, you don't have to feel guilty. That's the that's the freedom of having, like, the goals and the budget. Like, you don't have to feel guilty because you're like, this is my spending money. Like, in my, um, in my banking, I have an account called fund money and I know that that's my spending money and I can, that's my guilt-free play money. Um, but I think, again, when, when I do hear people saying they feel guilty for spending, it's either because they're not clear on what they want with their money. So they're just constantly mm. feeling that guilt. Um, yeah. Or yeah, they, yeah, don't, they don't have a the plan for it or otherwise it comes back to like childhood and how they grew up and they haven't done the work understanding where does the guilt come from? Was it because growing up I didn't have any money and now I have money and I feel guilty for having what my parents didn't or is it, um, because I've always had so much like so yeah kind of around that mindset because the money mindset is made up by the time we're seven years old so there's a lot there that sometimes people actually need to unpack as well and it doesn't take mm. much digging to work out where that stems from mm. hey uh this is a, just looping back into a, a a point you made earlier on is when you came back from the UK yeah. you said you had a bit of an emergency buffer and it sounds like you use that money to start the business so here in Australia. Yeah. But could you have, like, what made you want to do that over, say, investing in property or investing in shares? Like, this is kind of like goal-related, right? Yeah. I've always just had, like, this real, I don't know where it comes from, but I've had, like, this kind of responsibility that I need to help as many women as possible understand this money. So, like, it was a really big choice because, like, had I gone back into the corporate sector, you know, I would have set myself, I could have set myself up, you know, really well, but I wouldn't have been able to do the thing I'm really passionate about. Um, in hindsight, maybe I could have done both for a little bit, um, <laughs> but, you know, to me, it was, um, yeah, it was just something that I was like, I really want to do this with my life. I really want to help people, understand, women understand their money. Mm. Um, and I think I also was seeing it at a time where a lot of my mum's friends were getting divorced, their partners were leaving them and they were left with either very little um, or, you know, had to stay at work. And I was like, this is so wrong. Mm. Um, yeah. It, so. <laughs> yeah, that's plenty of motivation. Um, one thing that we talk a lot about on the show, or probably we talk about it a bit, but probably not enough, to be honest, is um, money and relationships, mm. I guess. And 
there are so many different facets of this and so many ways that we could talk about it, but maybe we don't have to like solve the riddle today, but maybe, <laughs> um, maybe if there's like, um, I guess like the, the, the thing that a lot of people struggle with Molly is just even having the conversation about yeah, money. So, totally. like, so like, is there anything that you found and I might be catching you off guard here a bit? Like, is there anything that you found that has worked either for you or in the community? Like, any strategies you have would be so helpful for our community. Oh, so when it comes to like relationships. Yeah, and, and money. Yeah, I'd say actually talk about it. Like make the time to talk about it with your partner and find out, okay, what does what does financial success look like for us as a couple? Like what, what are our financial goals together? Um, there's so many times I have conversations with even girlfriends where they're like, we just didn't talk about it. And now they're in a situation where there's some of them are stay at home moms or they're working part time. And they're like, now I feel too awkward to be like, can I get access to some of your super or, you know, or, um, well, what if I want to go back to work? Um, so I think it's really having those deep and honest conversations, especially mm. if you're going to have kids as well. There's some really important conversations that need to be had, which are just not being had. You know, are we going to send our kids to what kind of school are we going to send our kids to? Am I going to be the one staying off work? Are you going to be staying off work? How is it going to work? Childcare costs. Because um, what I'm seeing is a lot of, and this again might be a semi-generalization, but it's kind of not from what I'm seeing. Women see their money as their money. Oh, sorry. Women see their money as family money. Mm. Um, men see their money as their money. So men are seeing their super, well, that's my super. Women are not putting enough, nearly enough away, or they're very much like, oh, I spend my paycheck on the kids. So having really clear conversations and having it early in relationships and also, well, how are we going to set up a bank accounts? Do we have our own, and we're big advocates of always having your own emergency fund in your own name, but then, okay, well, let's have a group account and how are we going to pay for things and what conversation do we need to have if it's over a certain amount? Um, but yeah, I, I completely agree. I think there's not enough conversations and you, there's a lot you can pick up early in a relationship there's a lot you can pick up early in relationships and kind of certain red flags and things like that as well mm. um yeah so even just finding out do you do you have a goal you're do you have a goal you're saving for anything or you know just seeing how their spending habits are compared to their income um you know there's a lot you can observe as well yeah i can imagine a first date where um the guy gets asked, do you have any goals? And they'd be like, <laughs> most guys would be like, um, what? <laughs> I know. That's why I'm like, mm, super fun to date. But also I'm like, you like, you know, you can put it under like, are you saving for anything lately? Or like, are you going, yeah, you, got any holidays planned? Or are you working towards anything? So it doesn't have to yeah. be about money, but you can What's just... your five-year plan and do your own property? What are your investment strategies? Yeah, not quite as smooth as that. Um, <laughs> although I do ask, I do ask most people, I'm like, do you invest comes up pretty early um and I use an analogy in my event roadshow about diversification of this one day I went on where the guy was like nah don't invest lost all my money once and I was like did you invest it all in one company that your friend told you about he's like that's exactly what happened I'm like Craig did not diversify um so yeah it's um yeah. I can't I can't remember the point but yeah <laughs> it happens right like and um one of the things that yeah, I was just, I've been thinking about a lot lately is I love the rise of like ladies finance club and other 
podcasts and channels that yeah. tackle, tackle the issue with women in particular mm -hmm. and often say like we we do say things like a, a bit male and stale I think you said but um not not all people not all, not all no, no, not no, all of course. no 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 of course not um but although I am very pale so I am that camp um <laughs> so um I guess the thing that I I I think the thing the challenge that we have for men is that a lot of men like the investing, but when it comes to personal finance and opening up with, with, like you've said, like, it's like intergenerational. We don't talk about money, yeah. uh, goals, the softer part of finance. It's always mm -hmm. numbers, spreadsheets, yeah. returns, that type of stuff. And I feel like if someone out there is th listening to this and is a podcaster and wants to do the whole male thing and then talk about stocks, but also talk about budgeting, like, please yeah. go and do that because I think that yeah. would be just as important to women as it is for men. Um, and I think the, the, the more we can kind of bridge the divide there in terms of like what's expected and what's not, um, from both genders is really important. Um, yeah, absolutely. And I, I do look forward to one day where we can just be the finance club. We don't have to be ladies finance club because we're in a position where it's just, there's no gaps. Um, yeah. but yeah, no, I totally agree. I think I, I have a lot of conversation with guys and they'll be like, well, I don't know that stuff either. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah, go check out Equity Mates. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Love Spice yeah. and Alex for the best. Yeah. Chat with those guys. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, you actually mentioned something before, too, which is something that I've come around to in a big way, which is women and men having their own emergency fund. Mm. Um, this can often go wrong because sometimes people can hide money, which is not a good thing. But at the same time, I used to think like everything's a team account, everything's together, everything like you got to be one, you're stronger together, one plus one equals three, yeah. blah, blah, blah. But I'm coming around to the idea that for a lot of people, having some amount of money is like a sign of independence and strength in a relationship. Yeah. And so I feel like that's really important, mm. um, particularly, I'd say particularly for women and particularly if there's a family unit, because like you said, it does give you that sense of control, uh, yeah. gives, you, gives you a sense of, you know what, if I'm in a bad situation, I can go, I've got enough money here, I can make do. Oh, I don't know, totally. I'm just riffing, but. Yeah, it's so, I think it's so empowering to have your own money. And also it's kind of just like smart. If something happens to your partner and, you know, the rent payments are coming out of their account and they, their account gets frozen, like, and you're kind of like, oh, I've got no, I've got no access to cash. Like practically it's quite a, I think quite yeah, a good thing to true. have, um, you know, and I do hear conversations where people are like, should women have secret accounts? And I'm like, you know, treat it like you would. You know, how would you feel if your partner had a secret account? Would that make you feel like, I don't mm. think it has to be a secret. Um, but yeah, I think it is. It's that sense of like, if I'm not happy, I can leave. Um, or if something's, yeah, if something's not right, then I've got my own back. Yeah, cool. I like it. Um, my, my final question, Molly, is um, if you could go back in time, if you could wind back the wheel and do one thing differently, whether it's in the business, whether it's yeah. your finances, just in, in life and investment, yeah. whatever, just one thing, what would it be? I would have bought property a lot earlier. Like I would have yeah, like right. from my, like, you know, you, if you knew what you knew then kind of thing. But like when I was living in Brisbane and I was working for a bank, I just wasted so much money. I spent every paycheck. And mm. then I was like, I could have set myself up from the get-go. Um, so that's something that I'm always like, how do I know that? I would <laughs> definitely change that. And then my friends who did do that, you know, it's awesome to see them, you know, grow their property portfolios now and um, be in that really great position. Um, so that's my one little, little regret. 
Yeah, cool. Well, we all have them and that's what makes us human, I'm told. So um, <laughs> no, no sweat there. Hey, um, if people listening to this wanted to follow you or to become a member or something like that, what's the best place for them to go? Yeah, so they can head over to ladiesfinanceclub.com. We open our doors a couple of times a year and um, we also do like investing courses and that kind of stuff. So yeah, ladiesfinanceclub.com or ladiesfinanceclub on Instagram. Cool. I'll put all the links in the show notes, but Molly, thank you for taking some time to, to join me on the show today. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Australian Business Podcast. I think this series is best served with my free business course on RASC education. My free course includes all of my notes, templates, employment guides, legal documents, marketing strategies, software recommendation, and ideas for starting and running a small business. If you're a small business owner or an expert like an accountant, lawyer, investor, or entrepreneur, I want to hear from you. I'm not 100% sure what we're going to do with this podcast series, so I'm looking for sponsors as well as potential co-hosts, and of course, I'm eager to invest in businesses run by talented people. If you're looking for a supporter or advisor, a silent partner, or even an investor to support your growth, I can help. Please contact me via the Rask website. Finally, if this podcast or the course helps you, I only ask that you please help me by sharing it with one friend, colleague, or family member who runs a business. Thanks for listening.